and welcome to another weekly edition of Popcorn Optional, a movie podcast where we talk all things movies, and this week we are here to review a TV show that I think we're all fond of. I think it's the highest budget of any TV show ever. It consists of 18 episodes so far, and the newest episode will come out this Friday, April 27th. Um, <laughs> this TV show, of course, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it basically is a TV show. At first, I was like, "Is Cameron having a stroke?" <laughs> like he, he's still going with this, but no. Oh, oh, I see what he's doing. I see what he's doing here. Yeah, it was it was a bit that you kind of had to grudge through the beginning, and then once you got to it, it was like, "Okay, we're good. <laughs> I, we're here." I like it. My name is Cameron Selena. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. Hey, man. Oh yeah, super excited for this one, guys. It is. We have waited ten years. Well, really six years. We've waited six years since they showed us Thanos, and now we are. Mere days away from getting to see this. That might be the longest smoking gun in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> it really might be. Really might be. But uh, hopefully well worth it. So let's. we're going to kind of just get right into this because we got, we got 18 films to get through. Uh, we're going to give you guys our ranking. So what we did was we took all of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. We ranked them individually. We then gave them a score, tallied it all up, and then we came out with a collective ranking that we will go with, go through uh, 18 to 1. But before we get to that, just some some insights into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's been 10 years since uh, Iron Man came out back in 2008. And in that time, those 18 films have grossed $5.9 billion, which is an average of $330 million per film domestically. Now, internationally, they've done $14.8 billion, $823 million per film, which if you think that Marvel has spent $3.3 million on budget and $4, million, $4 billion just for the actual rights to Marvel, that means that they've made almost $7 billion just off of the movies alone. That's not including merchandise at all. Man, Disney knows business. Disney knows business. Black Panther is the most uh, pr- is the highest grossing film domestically at 677 million, while The Avengers uh, has the most worldwide with 1.5 billion. The Incredible Hulk's the lowest box office, but Captain America: The First Avenger is not too far ahead of that. Uh, it's it's kind of amazing because if you look back at like critically and commercially, these films didn't like Iron Man did great, but then Incredible Hulk didn't do great. Uh, Iron Man 2 didn't do great. Thor and Captain America were kind of average. And then Avengers came out and just blew everybody away. And that was when this really, I think it's, at least in my head, like looking back on it, I was like, these were a success from the very beginning. And it really wasn't like you had Iron Man and then they kind of just drudged through it until they got to Avengers. And then Avengers hit, had the highest opening weekend of all time and just took off. You could argue that Joss Whedon is maybe the second most important person in this franchise, mm-hmm. um, after Kevin Feige. I would of say course. third, but okay. I would say third behind Robert Downey Jr. Okay, okay, I, I would I would take that. Um, but Joss Whedon, I mean, did, really, Avengers was just Joss Whedon doing what he'd been doing for years on a massive budget and a massive scale. It just brought everybody in. I think it's crazy to kind of touch on what you were saying, Cam, with a few of these things that looking, reading in the kind of the history of some of these films, and these characters in film, so many of these characters were in development hell for 20 plus years. And yeah. it's so bizarre 
that they were because they've all made multiple hundreds of millions of dollars per film. When you think that this all started with Iron Man, who before this was not really a household name as far as comic book superheroes went. No, the fact that the, that Iron Man was their first film was so weird. He was, was kind of like, like Iron Man. <laughs> he was kind of like the lame Batman of the Marvel universe. Right. Yeah. And the foresight, uh, you know, of putting that post credit scene in there with uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, that was kind of one of those, like, I mean, if it doesn't work out, then it makes the film even worse. But the fact that the film was so good and then you have that, and then, you know, two months later, you have the Incredible Hulk come out and you have Robert Downey Jr. in a post credits scene in that. It's just like, there's this foresight there of Kevin Feige planting seeds early on and just going well, and, and then like those lines about, you know, there was an idea that you could throw people together or whatever. That, that's like the marketing mm-hmm. for Infinity War. The, right. that trailer and it's emotional. Voiceover. Yeah. And it totally works. It's the ultimate yeah. example of like playing the long game, laying <laughs> the base. Because like phase one, like Cameron said, I, I remember phase one being successful, but like we're comic book nerds. Uh, yeah. But like, I think the big franchise success owes a lot of like the pop culture success to uh dvd and streaming because if you're looking at the correlation of technology as this is happening and uh a lot of disney films and marvel films were on netflix like really early in the release date uh like marvel had the foresight to understand not only where their franchise was going but where culture was going and that's where they put Mm -hmm. their films and that's why they've just become such a keystone of our our culture today i mean it's not like they did anything groundbreaking they basically applied the comic book formula to film where they consolidate everything they're in charge of overall story it's just that for the previous for whatever reason the previous 60 70 years of comic book films it was just comic book companies licensing out their characters to film companies with incredibly mixed and mostly negative results the team up within these works because you have people so invested And Jake, you hit on the streaming point, but it's, it's true. I mean, people have to keep up with these films in order to go see the next one. And so you have people rushing to the box office or rushing to Redbox or iTunes to be able to watch the last one so that they know what's going on in there. I mean, it's, it really is, I said it jokingly, but it really is like a TV show in how they, are able to like get people like you have to watch every single episode. And yeah, maybe you could miss an Ant-Man or something like that and still keep up, but it's not going to be the same. Like you have that like slight deficiency uh, of enjoyment that if you know, if you, but if you have everything, then things like civil war end up being this like culmination of mm. dreams that nobody could ever think of. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get into our ranking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting at the bottom, working our way to the top, the worst film, according to two people in this podcast, not three, two. Uh, As you can tell, I'm a little bit upset about this. The worst film is The Incredible Hulk. Yes. uh, With four points, uh, not doing that great. I don't think it's as bad as... So I, I recently went back and watched all these films in chronological order, and I don't think this movie's as bad as people think it is. The the problems are, I mean, it's a little bit retroactive. It doesn't. The problem, it, the big problem I have is that it doesn't feel like it belongs. 
Um, right. Yeah. Part of that is the the only character that carries over at all is William Hurd is Thaddeus Ross, um, and we only get a glimpse of him in Civil War. Um, the other problem here is that this was kind of what I was talking about. This is the film in this MCU most like what a standard superhero film was before the MCU. Um, right. It's like this guy, he gets powers. He has this girl. He's connected with these really people. Really boring villain. Everyone misunderstands him. The villain is just this crazy, insane person. Um, yeah, but I mean, when you hire Louis Leterrier and Zach Penn, you get a Louis Leterrier and Zach Penn movie. <laughs> yeah. This was the uh, lowest rated film on Trevor and Jake's list, but um, I slightly disagree because I also had to sit through in my you know, watching of all the Marvel films, I also had to sit through a film called Thor The Dark World. Coming in at number 17 with six points is the hottest piece of garbage the MCU has ever uh, spout out. <laughs> yeah. And I, I man, don't is this film I, bad. I, mean, I know I talked a lot on the last one and I'll let Jake have a chance, but this has all of the problems, like everything that people criticize the MCU movies for, this has all of those things. Yeah, so I definitely agree that Thor The Dark World is at the bottom of the barrel. Um, I do give it some credit though, in terms of like the, it it tried new things. It was one of the first films in the Marvel cinematic universe to go in a totally new direction and try new things and play with space and time and stuff that has become so important in the cinematic universe. And it also really began to show us the power of the infinity stones. And Mm -hmm. while I do agree that like not a great film, but uh, it does a lot of base work that a lot of the other early films don't do. It, that was kind of like sacrificing a pawn to like set right. up your queen. <laughs> That's kind of like what that felt like. Yeah. And you know, I I respect it. I don't love it, but I definitely think that it's uh, better than the Incredible Hulk because I saw that movie and I literally cannot tell you anything about it. <laughs> um, I will say that Thor The Dark World way underutilizes honorable mensch Natalie Portman. Yes. Agreed. Oh and my that's one of the most frustrating parts. She's like, and, she's like possessed in a zombie for half the movie. Yes. But our number 17 has something very uh, much in common with our number 16 in that they are both Thor films. Number 16 is Thor as well with 10 points and here's my biggest problem with both of these two films is that the villain is 10 times better than the superhero. Loki is 10 times more enjoyable to watch than Thor in either of these films. Well, and he's not hes not even really entirely the villain in Dark World, which is what makes him interesting because Malekith is the worst villain. He's yes. So here's a funny thing. Thor is very similar to Man of Steel, and I think hmm. Dark World is kind of similar to Justice League um, in a lot of wow. ways. Yeah, that's um, that's good. Which is which is sort of weird that they happened the same kind of thing, but I think they have a lot of the similar issues. Um, Thor yeah. just feels very like it's like we had to make a movie of Thor because people know who he is. So right. let's do something about this. Also, criminally underuses Idris Elba in this whole yes. series. Um, I feel like this was a film where they just didn't know what to, they didn't know the tone of this character. They were like still figuring things out. I mean. In credit to them, this is the fourth film in the MCU. They're still kind of getting things together. They're still kind of tying loose ends and trying to figure things out. And, you know, I feel like, because if you watch this film, it's like there's these tonal shifts of like, okay, there's comedy and then there's like these very dark moments and then 
and they didn't blend. Like nowadays, you get those moments in a Marvel film, and it's it's smooth. Like Joss Whedon really, you know, perfected that in the Avengers. This th- these transitions, but in the Thor, it just is a mess, beginning to end of like comedy, seriousness, jokingness, frat boy, nothing, or what? Okay, never mind. The big the big issue with me for the, all the Thor films is that Asgard never feels real. Right. It feels like or that a dream Asgard world. never feels fully utilized. Like we don't ever get like a full film that just kind of is like Asgard. Like yeah. a, I would love like a crime film in Asgard that explores like the technology and world of Asgard. Well, I think I think before Guardians they were too afraid to go complete Marvel space cosmic kind of thing. Yeah. They they didn't know what to do with the character until they got to Thor three Ragnarok. Um, and like that shows, I think in the character itself, like Thor isn't comfortable in his person and doesn't know what he wants to be or who he's going to be. Uh, which is, which is an interesting thing. I just don't think they do a very good job of doing that. But yeah, Thor is a, is a very underutilized universe until Ragnarok, in my opinion. But, right. but on, ironically enough though, I think that Tom Hiddleston as Loki is one of the, I mean, getting a little tired now, but one of the great performances and interesting characters in the whole series. But that's all like, and I feel like Thor, the dark world, especially solely relies on like, look, we've got this really interesting character that people love (laughs) that's just killed it in Thor, killed it in the Avengers. Let's, let's milk that character for all it's got. And let's really use him in Thor, the dark world. And that's, I mean, that's, that's why that film fails is just because it's like, it feels lazy. Last comment that I'll say on Thor. To your point on tone, Cameron, Thor is the best example of Marvel trying to figure out how to use music in its films because the music is so all over the place in that film where it's like, this scene should be having this feeling, I think, but like the music is implying something totally different. They fortunately somewhat sorted that out in later films, and now they're at the point they're like, "Remember all those hits from the '80s? Let's just play those. Um, <laughs> just play the, just play the hits." <laughs> yeah, that's also like a very Kenneth Branagh who directed Thor. That's a very like trademark thing of his. Is kind of like um, songs that don't necessarily match the genre or time period like just look at murder on the orient express and uh i mean he kind of does these like off kilter things almost it's like trying to be Boz Lerman, but not yeah um well then the rest that, of his like, movies are like perfect shakespeare yes perfect <laughs> shakespeare or perfect cinderella and we don't need to get into that right now we're just gonna leave it at that where this podcast fully endorses cinderella and Disney films that adapt uh, com- or animation that's, into live action. That, that's, that's not all true. we're gonna say. That's not true. Okay, getting into our fifteenth um, ranked film is The Avengers. What? That's wait, no. Who put it? Who put it at twenty four? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, getting into our number fifteen film is Iron Man two with eleven points, just slightly above Thor. So okay, why so was this, this uh, low on your guys' list? This is where we get into me the. All of the movies from here are pretty good. Um, <laughs> I think I think Iron Man Two is better than people give it credit for. I had it a little bit higher on my list. It's a it's a fun little watch. I um, Sam Rockwell is great as Justin Hammer. Um, 
one of the highlights of this movie for me. The plot's a little thin. I think we do get the the most important part here is the humanity of Tony Stark dealing with his impending death, getting wasted with an Iron Man suit on and blowing up his own house, basically. I think that's the best part of the film and the most interesting part. The stuff with uh, yeah. Ivan Vanko and all that kind of stuff, meh, whatever. Um, but this is a this is a decent movie. It's it just doesn't have the punch of a lot of the other ones. Yeah, boring villain. It's frustrating because it's one of you know one of the better Iron Man comic book storylines is Demon in a Bottle, which Tony's dealing with his alcoholism and you know a lot of things from his past. And this is almost like a light version of that. Like you get like a scene of that, and then they're kind of like afraid to dig into that. And then it's just instead of this like adventure that like. Of so much of the film, which is good in parts and drags in others, is him trying to figure out how to cure himself of a disease, which just isn't the most interesting of like comic book materials. It just feels like waiting time or like, look, we need to answer this question. Let's just go ahead and get out of the way in Iron Man 2 so that we can set it up for things later on. Yep. <laughs> Coming in at number 14 uh, with 18 points is Ant-Man which is the final film in phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I actually, if I'm ranking films on a rewatchability level, I think this is pretty high. I enjoy Ant-Man quite a bit. Uh, Paul Rudd's great. Michael Douglas is great. Evangeline Lilly's great. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about this movie. It's just kind of a, but it is a very safe movie. And the most frustrating part is you watch it and the whole time just think, Man, what would what would this have looked like with a little bit of Baby Driver <laughs> and Edgar Wright if he had directed it? My biggest complaint about Ant-Man. I mean, I totally agree with you, Cameron. It's a lot of fun, really funny, totally different feel for a superhero film, which I love that Marvel like plays with genres within its own universe. Love it. But my biggest complaint about this movie and sci-fi slash comic book films in general, but specifically Ant-Man... If you establish the universe, I don't care how crazy your universe is, but if you have established rules, you have to follow those rules. And my biggest complaint is that Ant-Man establishes very clearly that when things shrink, they still maintain their mass, which allows them to maintain their power. And then we're shrinking tanks and putting them in people's pockets. And all. And I'm just like, wait, hold on. Hold on, sir. <laughs> that that you just broke your rule. Like this universe now has no no established rules. We can do whatever we want. Like then how is Ant Man still so strong if he's shrunk down? He should weigh the size of an ant, you know? So um that's my biggest complaint about Ant Man because like literally the moment you start pulling on the thread, the entire film falls apart. Yeah, that's fine. But the <laughs> fight scene in the kid's bedroom at the end is super awesome. Yeah. So. It's the most like anti-Avengers <laughs> moment that we get so this? far. And this comes out right after Age of Ultron. And mm-hmm. it's like instead of a city falling, it's like the most small scale, like Thomas the Train toy hiding in the carpet. It's I thought it was like a brilliant antithesis to what Age of Ultron was. It's almost like a palate cleanser. Props to Peyton Reed for doing that in a way that's coherent and visually pleasing. Because yeah. that's kind of a weird bizarre thing to pull off yeah right Um, he came in with like i think he came in in like may of the year before and had like 14 months to pretty much just like borderline gut the film and start over and film it and put something out i mean that the action's incredible it's a really fun movie um there's just certain things for me that i was like eh, no i think the the levity that paul rudd brings to the role is perfect paul rudd's Um, amazing and everything he's great yeah yeah 
to kind of talk what you were talking about, Cam, with the stakes, I think that this was a big issue in Thor is that the stakes seem so big that why wouldn't he call other people? Why aren't other people involved? But the, the stakes in this are appropriate for a single standalone hero movie. And I yep. think that's, that's the a strength to this film. All right. So I have, a, I have a quick aside. So I've told you guys before that Marvel is great. And Jake, you just touched on this because every film is like a different genre. So I wrote down the genre of every film and I was going to say what I thought it was, but I kind of forgot it. We're like four films. In now. <laughs> okay. So what kind of genre is Ant-Man? So Ant-Man, Ant-Man is a, is basically a, a heist film. Yep. Okay. That's what is Iron Man two? Iron Man two is like a, it's kind of like a, a buddy cop movie um, or like a struggling retired cop, that kind of thing. Um, okay. What about uh, Thor? Thor is is a as a double crossing family drama. Ooh. Like Okay, Thor the Dark World. Oh goodness, that one's a mess. Yes, I agree. It's a it's a it's a fantasy sci-fi That's Battleship movie. Earth. Yeah, yeah. It kind of deals <laughs> with that science versus magic thing where Thor talks about it, you know, like what you call science is magic is called magic or whatever. What about Incredible Hulk? The Incredible Hulk is like like I, I kind of said this. It's the standard superhero film to that point. It's the it's the like the boring blueprint. Okay, so then let's go ahead and move on to thirteen with nineteen points, one point ahead of Ant Man is Avengers Age of Ultron. Trevor, what genre is this? Age of Ultron is a Frankenstein's monster type of film without the horror elements. Hmm. Yeah. So Here's my frustration with Avengers Age of Ultron is that you build this AI character who's supposed to be brilliant, can do whatever they want, yet he seems like he limits what he does. Like, he doesn't go for the jugular. He almost, like, holds back when it's like, if your plan was to destroy all of humanity and you were smart enough to hack into whatever you want, you know, put your consciousness all over the internet, and then you just kind of, like, create a bunch of robots and then... That's it. It's like the plan could have been a lot easier. You could have just launched a bunch of nukes, killed a bunch of people. We're all good. They yeah, can't stop that plan. I don't know why we have to do a, the whole pretend asteroid thing. Um, what's, I, so I watched this film last night, and one of my favorite things that I, I noticed on this time around was the film is almost like the reverse of the Avengers. The Avengers is like they all take, they all start out separate. And then they all come together and this is they all start together and they all kind of like slowly move away from each other in different ways. And it's frustrating in parts. It works better in the middle of the series than it does as a standalone film. It starts out with the superhero, you know, team shot of all of them like jumping over that log, punching or shooting an arrow or flying or doing whatever. And then it's like we don't like get that at the end of the film. We then well, we kind of get at the end of the film in like one long tracking shot, but it's it's different. It's not the same as as it is here, but yeah. Jake, any thoughts on Avengers: Age of Ultron? Uh, I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said. It's uh, unfortunately somewhat forgettable. Like it's it feels so mm-hmm. weirdly nebulous now. Like I kind of forgot that this movie even existed until I looked at the list of all the films that they have in mm-hmm. the MCU. Uh, one thing I do like about this film, though, is it does a really good job of setting up um, Phase Three. Uh, in terms of like establishing where our characters stand, uh, what they've been through. It sends our characters on a lot of really interesting character development arcs. 
And so for that, I think it does a really good job of setting up phase three, which is then setting up Infinity War. So I think in hindsight, we will look back at uh, Age of Ultron and be like, wow, yeah, that did a really good job. But as a film itself, it struggles for me. There's two great things in Age of Ultron. One of them is the whole sequence at the ship graveyard um, where Scarlet Witch gets in everyone's head and Hulk goes insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important, like you were saying, for a lot of character development. And then the other thing is Hawkeye's farm. That whole sequence <laughs> yes. is great. Everyone's splitting wood and just kind of hanging out like because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's kind mm-hmm. of... It's, it's very humanizing for our superhuman characters. Right. One of my favorite parts of that movie is the relationship between uh, Black Widow and Hulk. You feel every bit of like awkwardness and like hope and, uh, you know how much they actually like care for each other in the very few exchanges that they get. Then you also get fun moments like the birth of vision. Uh, you get tons of cool kind of comic booky things like Thor hitting cap shield and it just tearing through Hydra. You get the <laughs> introduction of maybe one of the most powerful people in the MCU and Scarlet, Witch. there's, there's a lot of like cool things in this film, but it's overall just kind of like, Swings for the fences and is like a a pop out to the warning track. So uh, moving on to our number 12 film is maybe the most gutsy and uh, crazy film in the MCU. And that is Iron Man 3 with 22 points, which pulls off the biggest twist seen in the MCU film to date. (laughs) This is a film that I respect, I think, way more than I like. Like Like, I look at this and I'm like, that's an incredibly ballsy move and it's it's entertaining like the first time but then when you like know it and you watch it again you're kind of like okay cool i i That's remember i remember this i so when i first kind of made a preliminary list i had this very low and i read the plot summary and i was like actually this movie is not that awful it's like <laughs> no. so what this is to continue my genre thing this is basically a james bond movie um hmm. Iron Man is James Bond. We're, di- we're dealing with ridiculous multiple characters. We have an over-the-top in sequence at the end. We have sort of not-quite-believable science. It's totally a James Bond movie. Ben Kingsley is amazing in this movie. He's, he's, <laughs> Trevor, Trevor Slattery. He's absolutely amazing. Now, I don't know that the whole thing works with the Mandarin and the extremists and the whole and Elizabeth Hall's character turn. But it's so ballsy. It's it's very ballsy. I don't think it's that good, but I like I agree, Cam. I do respect the hell out of it <laughs> because it's like to have like you like the final Iron Man film, and it's like we're finally gonna do the Mandarin. We got Ben Kingsley to play him. Like we're gonna blow this out of the water. He looks terrifying, and then like two thirds into the movie, you find out he's this bumbling drunk British actor, <laughs> and it's it's the biggest turn, and you're just like. Like that moment, I remember in the theater, like jaw on the ground, just like what is happening. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I definitely like understand the hate behind Iron Man three. I mean, the ending falls apart pretty bad, but like yeah, you guys bad, have huh? said, I mean, overall as a film, what it does in terms of like the spy genre thing, I love the way that it strips Tony Stark down to just like a person. Uh, and like gets rid of the armor for a huge section, the banter between him and that little kid, like so funny. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a really funny movie, and it, it's simultaneously really lighthearted and also tackles some like seriously dark issues. I loved the way that they right. talked about like PTSD for superheroes 
No one's ever uh-huh. talked about that yeah. before. And like, that's something yeah, that would that's... totally exist. Um, uh-huh. Right. And, and it finally gets pepper into the action. Yeah. Um, I think that the only good thing that Gwyneth Paltrow has done in the last 15 years is her role as pepper pots. Um, she can, <laughs> you're not a fan of goop. She can go away and <laughs> goop it up somewhere else. I'll, I'll buy you a subscription for Christmas so you can oh. see how good it is. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I like Iron Man three. I think it's better than Iron Man two, uh, the Thor movies. It's, it's, it's better than people think it is. I totally agree that the ending is a little rough, but you know what? It's still a really fun movie that, does a lot of really cool things. Um, moving on to number 11 film is uh, Thor Ragnarok with 26 points. Trevor, what genre does Thor Ragnarok fall into? Thor Ragnarok is, I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I tried to be completely individual on these and not reuse any, but this is also kind of a buddy cop film with Thor and Hulk being the buddy cops. Um, and even Thor and Loki to some reason. Right, that's true, yeah. It's also an Exodus story, which is mm. not really... The kind of thing I expected going into this film. Yeah. Um, it it this is this is an interesting film. I saw it a couple months after it came out because I missed it on the weekend it came out. Um, it the hype was out of control on this film. It didn't meet the hype for me. It's funny. It didn't always feel quite right in how it was funny. But I but I think it's a good movie. I think the problem is is this this should have been two movies. There should have been a Planet Hulk movie and there should have been a End of Asgard Ragnarok movie. I almost wish that like the Planet Hulk movie had happened as like the second Avengers film. Like it starts off with like we send Hulk uh, off to space, and like the first third is like kind of a Planet Hulk movie, and then he comes back to Earth for World War Hulk, and then like that's where that film takes because that's ten times more interesting to me than uh, uh, Age of Ultron. But I will say we the we know each other from work line as I've said is the funniest line in the whole series. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. that's top notch comedy writing. Yeah, easily the funniest film in the whole MCU. Yeah, yeah. it's really funny. It also is like it's kind of like heavy metal in a way, or like <laughs> like the weird like hair metal. Well, that, but also the film heavy metal of just like this weird like barbarian oh, yeah. technology advanced society, like classic fantasy sci-fi. Yeah, it it also has, you know, Taika Waititi playing Korg, oh, which Korg. is maybe the funniest character in the whole MCU. Korg Korg is number 1 on my MCU character power rankings. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. Taika Waititi, you know, for being having only kind of done smaller films, steps in and really does a great job. This is the film for me on my list that like changed the most in rankings or like in my opinion from viewing one to viewing two. I think viewing one, I was like, I think this film is probably like bottom four, um, and it moved quite a bit up. I think on my list, I ended up having Thor Ragnarok at ten. I'll have to watch. I it liked again. it quite a bit more the second time. I think. Once you kind of get out of that initial shock of like, okay, this isn't the tone that I maybe expected. I think it's a lot more enjoyable kind of once you know what you're getting going into it. Then it ends pretty heavy on that shot of the all people of Asgard with Thor. Everyone's left is just on this spaceship with nowhere to go. Getting into our number 10 is Doctor Strange with 27 points, one point ahead of Thor Ragnarok. Trevor, what genre is Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange is a mystical kung fu religious self-discovery film. Eat, pray, love. 
Eat, pray, Eat, pray, love. love. <laughs> it's by far the most religious of the MCU films. I, th- I think it, it dips into some of the ideas um, kind of generally on organized religion about kind of following following rules versus versus doing the right thing and having and, and having faith that you're doing the right thing instead of just following the rules. Well, Trevor, let me just hop in here. And uh, Captain America is the most religious figure because Captain America <laughs> is clearly uh, representing Jesus. All right. <laughs> Look, Cap may be from New York, but he's a Texan at heart. Amen, brother. <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. You got hate in your heart. Oh, let man. it out. We're we're losing fifteen percent of our <laughs> listeners after that segment. There we, we go. We all live in Texas. And people who don't so understand Dave Chappelle. We can make those jokes. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange is one of those movies for me that's better as an idea than it is in execution. Like, I feel like this is a film for me that's like, I enjoy it. And let me say this about all these films. All these films are better than like 90% of the garbage that we get. Um, if I'm being critical of this movie though, compared to like the top notch MCU films, everything about it's just kind of like fine. It's like, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange is fine. Really? The story's fine. I the action is fine. Benedict Cumberbatch is fine fantastic i Doctor think he's Strange. he's such a good asshole the performance just, in this movie is so good i mean he's good but like he doesn't do anything that elevates it beyond what like somebody else could have done with like oh, he doesn't take it strongly to that disagree. next level like yeah. chris evans or uh, robert downey jr take their roles i think i think he's as good as almost anyone else in the in the in the series yeah i i don't think anybody else could be Doctor Strange, the way that he is Doctor Strange, and the way that, um, yeah, I mean, I think the character arc that he has, the performance that he gives, with a okay script um, and mostly CGI to work with, he's giving a very good performance. Easily the trippiest film in the MCU. Oh, visuals are amazing. The resolution of this film being a infinitely obnoxious time loop is hilarious. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely hilarious. But that's also, we'll get into this, that's also a very, like, delicate thing. Because like Jake said, once you set up the rules of the universe, you can't mess with them. So to me, it's like, okay, we've set up now that he can pretty much time loop anybody. Okay, so what does that imply then with Thanos? Like, it may be better once that's resolved in my head, because that's just such a huge, like... Uh, Pandora's box of like you've opened it now you have yeah, to like, abide by that rule. Like he already defeated Dormammu. How hard can Thanos be? He didn't defeat him. He bargained. That's true. That's true. He bargained. He just got him to leave us alone. Tied with Doctor Strange at twenty-seven points. Our number nine film is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Trevor, what genre is this film? This again, obviously, is is a family drama. It's all about who your dad is and what it means to be a dad. <laughs> um, maybe maybe the best dad line in a movie that's, ever. That's, the uh, he right. may have been your father, but I'm your daddy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and also the the character turn of Yondu here is really interesting. Um, become, yeah, like I think he has great character development over these two films. Mm-hmm. And also, there's kind of a low stakes Darth Vader Luke Skywalker dynamic here in this yeah. film. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a fun movie. I love the opening sequence. That is yeah. amazing. Well, so much of this movie is tied to the music, and the music that Gunn picks for these are just fantastic. Like Nailed James it. Gunn, the director, is a master at soundtrack. I had the experience of the first time I saw this in the theater, loved it. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, super fun. And then I kind of thought about it for a while, and I was like, ah, you know, this it had a lot of problems, so I was pretty down on it. 
and then I literally just finished rewatching it, and um, I've landed somewhere in the middle. You know, I definitely don't think it's a top tier film, but uh, it's much better than I, for some reason, had it in my mind. Um, it's a lot of fun. Definitely has a few problems, but I mean, like you guys have said, the just the relationship between all the characters, the the comedy, the family drama. Um, I'm really excited to get more Guardians in Infinity War. Getting into our number eight film, one point ahead of Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, is Captain America The First Avenger, 28 points. This film has so much heart, and I I absolutely adore this film. I, I mean, this is Chris Evans. He does a pretty fantastic job of leading this. I love the transition of, like, you get this skinny little kid that then transforms... The visual of, like, the CGI they did of him to be super skinny and small, first off, amazing. Yeah, it was great. I yeah. forgot that that was Chris Evans. Chris Evans does the impossible in making this character relatable and likable. Um, that's my biggest complaint with Superman. Like, Superman sucks as a character because he's perfect. There's yeah. no way to relate to him. And Cap- <laughs> Captain America is the Superman of the Marvel Universe. But for some, like, somehow... Kevin Feige, Joss, like everybody involved, and Chris Evans especially, just brings such a great performance and such a depth to this character. Um, and this movie sets it up really, really well. Um, unfortunately for me, this movie just falls below all of the other amazing films in the MCU. Uh, it's more in the middle of the pack for me. I think that's more so of just like how removed it feels from the rest of the universe. Right. Evans Evans is just so sincere. That's yeah. what yeah. that's what sells the whole thing is like he's he's so pure and infallible but it, but it's not boring like it's inspiring. And it's not like eye rolly either. Right. Like, that like naive eye roll of like oh my gosh, it's like in Age of Ultron when he's like language, you're like I understand like where you're coming from because you know back in the 1940s like that wasn't a normal right. thing and so I think another interesting thing about Captain America is that he is the leader. He has the moral high ground most of the time. He represents the best of us yeah. while being probably the weakest Avenger. Weakest, yeah. like uh, like if they were to all fight, you think he's the weakest? In terms of like powers and abilities. like He just has like heightened senses, heightened strength, but it's like who he is as a person and like his... Uh, ability right. to like continue fighting and to like think through teamwork and stuff is what makes him Captain America. His overall abilities are like pretty weak. Right. But I think that's like why everybody loves Cap. Well, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is the duality of the character is like him being right. like the moral. That's what that's why Superman sucks because he's always right <laughs> and you can't beat him. Whereas like Captain America is like always right and like should lose but still wins. But Superman also didn't start out like us. Superman didn't start out as like a scrawny yeah. little kid who just wanted to help. From Brooklyn. Part of what makes this character great in every film he's been in and every single film since this film is the fact that they start out with him before he was Captain America and they give you that perspective. Like they could have very easily thrown us into like him fighting in World War One, quickly done like a flashback of like, he became this way because of super soldier serum and then like just gone on about it. But they take time to develop him as that like scrawny kid from Brooklyn. Who's like, uh, like the famous line of like, he gets punched, knocked down, stands back up. And he's like, I can do this all day. And it's just like, you hear that line and you're like, yeah, yeah, you can. And, and, and seeing him 
on stage trying to sell war bonds is like <laughs> that like that that whole that's like what kind of sells the character this sequence of like this is just like a regular guy trying to do everything he can to help yeah right yeah i mean so this is a this is a straight up war movie i feel like that's pretty obvious that's that's what this is right. <laughs> here's where we're at now we've gone 18 to number 8 number 8 is captain america the first avenger with 28 points What's interesting is, to, in my mind, there's always been this like top tier of Marvel films. Then there's this like um, B class of Marvel films, and then there's like the lower. There's a couple like lower class films, like we've talked about, like the Thor: The Dark World and Incredible Hulk. And what's interesting is that in our rankings and in our points, there really is a jump, pretty significantly, of twelve points in between number eight and number seven. <laughs> and I feel like that's when we get into this like upper class of the really really good marvel films i had a really hard Uh, time ranking like seven through three mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you i think my one and two were pretty solid but my seven through three could have could have changed quite a bit same uh so number seven with 40 points is guardians of the galaxy this is this is the the original hype movie Word of mouth movie. <laughs> like, did you see this? This is awesome. You have to go see it. Yeah. It just And it came out in an August when nothing else came out and pretty much just ran the box office for an entire month. This is this is a this is a space western. That's what this is. This is like yep. it's like all the cowboys got together to go do what's right, even though they haven't done what's right before. They're gonna go take care of some stuff and do some justice. And, and this is that first film in the MCU that like is really taking a risk. Yeah. Like everything else so far has kind of been like a safe bet and not necessarily like a safe, safe bet. There's a built-in audience. Yes. This is the first film that's weird out there and then accepted. And I feel like the acceptance of this film then opened up the MCU to millions of other possibilities of like, we can do anything and they're going to accept it. Like this was the like gateway everything else this was also like such a big tonal shift in the entire mcu that like a risk and not only characters and and the new space world that it opens up but just a tonal shift in terms of music and a lot more humor um and like more i would say over the top action but still works and you've seen that in Mm -hmm. every marvel film since i mean pratt is great of course but you get this, like, he's like a regular guy who just, like, stumbled into these things. You can get it, like, with the way that he talks, the way that he interacts with people. The line, the, you said it yourself, bitch, we're the guardians of the galaxy. It's just like, <laughs> it's like what, like, it's like what a punk high schooler would say in that situation, you know? It's just like, right. it's so authentic and real and feels like, like I said, a, just a regular person. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and throw throw this out there i think this has the bet like the second best cast in any marvel film that's not including a team-up film so avengers civil war those type things outside of black panther i think this is the best cast that we've gotten in a film yeah and that's what really shows on screen is the cast is incredible and that's what like james gunn knows how to make a movie that's like my big pull away from watching this and this is what made chris pratt a star i mean granted he lost like 60 pounds and looks amazing (laughs) but like they put that that andy dwyer charm on screen as a superhero and everyone was like holy cow chris pratt's amazing and everybody who watched parks and (laughs) rec was like we told you (laughs) telling you for years burt macklin 
FBI. <laughs> it just this is one of those movies that you watch and you're like, James Gunn made all the right decisions. Like every decision yes. in this movie was the right decision. Mm-hmm. The mo- the the music he chose, the way the music plays a role, the the casting, the characters, their actions, what they do, everything about it is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Even and so I think the common fault that people have quoted in this movie is that uh the villain played by Lee Pace and this goes to show, you know, my point, I can't seem to remember his name. Ronan um, the Accuser. <laughs> Ronan the Accuser. There we go. Is a somewhat bland and boring villain. But I almost feel like that's a deliberate choice on James Gunn's part. And then like being the opposite of these like wacky guardians. It even like him being that boring and just like whatever you want to call it, like boring, bad, poor choice for villain is almost like gives the Guardians even more oomph to play off. And this has the best hook as an opening scene, maybe in the entire MCU. Because oh, you yeah. go in like so unaware of what's going to happen, and literally within two minutes, you're like, oh, this is going to be so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Uga Chaka opening. The, mm. the, the impressive thing that Gunn does here is that I don't like some of these songs. <laughs> like, if I'm just like, if they just come on the radio, I would definitely change the radio. But it, but everything works mm-hmm. with where it's placed and how it's used. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our number six film with 41 points, one point ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy is Captain America Civil War. This movie, this movie should not yeah. work. Oh. Like, literally, this no. has everything it's going. It's too big. It. It's too big, <laughs> but it works. It somehow works. Right. And, uh, works really well and is like literally probably the hardest turn the marvel cinematic universe does in terms of like oh you thought we were going this way and we're going this way what it does in terms of implications for the rest of the series is huge i'm not gonna spoil it but um there are definitely problems and that of course is going to happen when you have this many like main characters on screen, as I'm sure we're going to see in Infinity War. Right. This movie shows that Infinity War can work, which is exciting. Let's list some of the things that this film does that are incredible, that is way beyond what a normal film should do. It introduces Spider-Man. It introduces <laughs> Black Panther. It gives us a Cap Bucky storyline. It gives us a Cap versus Iron Man storyline. It introduces a whole new villain in Helmet Zemo uh, that's out of nowhere it then gives us a conclusion to tony stark's iron man kind of story with his parents it gives us 50 different characters in a movie picking sides with tiny character moments between vision and scarlet and a scarlet witch this film does like 20 different things while still being a captain america film yeah so i guess to talk about my genre this is this is another this is another family drama it's the highest stakes hardest hitting family drama of all time right it works better as a spectacle than it does as a film, I think, um, just because it's so big and within the universe that we already know. I, I would I would say that this even works incredibly well as a film because I don't think I can't think of anywhere else in the MCU that final battle has had me as heartbroken. So that's what as I was just battle. gonna say. The the cap I mean, this is a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. Um, so go watch Civil War. What are you doing? Um the Cap Iron Man fight at the end is the most emotionally distressing thing in any of these films. It's like it's like watching your parents fight or something. That line when he's like, uh, he's my friend, Tony, I gotta do this. And he's like, I was your friend. Yeah. You're just it's like, just, oh, <laughs> it's like, 
You're like, can we just stop? Everyone stop. Let's go home and eat ice cream or something. Like, we don't need to right. do this. Like, let's go have some shawarma. It just, yeah, right? Really, and I mean, it's something that can only happen from being the, whatever, 12th or 15th movie. Gets you on an emotional level. You're like, this should not be happening. This is not right. right. This is not okay. Oh, and then that, I mean, to, to bring it full circle, that line when Cap says, Tony's like, stay down, last warning. And Cap gets up, and once again, I could do this all day. You're just like, oh my gosh. Yes, I'm like, so, okay, so let me ask you guys this. Who, like, who were you rooting for at the end there? Both. I wanted it all to stop. <laughs> I just wanted it all. I just wanted it to go away. And that's the brilliance of this is that <laughs> unlike in a film like Batman versus Superman where you really don't care or like you're picking one side versus the other like wow why is Batman being such a such a wang such yeah. a wang <laughs> uh, it's like you fully understand Iron Man and Cap's perspective in that moment I think that Iron Man is ultimately right but that's kind of where I fall on the divide but it still didn't make me want him to win no. Yeah, I think what's great about this film is like both characters are in the right in their perspective and also have like valid arguments. And I think this film does an incredible job of not only like saying a lot within the MCU, but saying a lot within our own world of like what's happening with mm-hmm. technology and guns and weapons and social, like everything that's happening currently. This film simultaneously addresses that, which makes it even more amazing that this film works with everything that's going on it also has awesome social commentary um, from both perspectives and both are right like it's ridiculous all right moving on to our number five film with 44 points spider-man homecoming trevor Mm. what genre is this this is a high school movie this is just this is as real as it gets you guys this is (laughs) it's like the guy in your science class happens to have superpowers whatever this is my this is my number four I adore this film. I think it's the best Spider-Man film that we've gotten to date by far. Not close. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is a great film, is, but it's not this. Oh, my gosh. Watch it again. It's um, <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming is Tom Holland It was born to play this role. He's incredible. He has the boyish charm with, like, the cocky swag, with the nerd, with... I mean, he embodies so many different roles. And then the idea to bring Tony Stark in to play his mentor in this creates this great like you feel the youth of peter parker in that because you feel like you see tony stark and as somebody who's watched all these movies you understand what all he's been through up until this point and it's it's a great choice it has what i would argue is the outside of loki the best villain in an mcu film I would say the second best villain um, to Killmonger. To Killmonger, uh-huh. I think Killmonger is a little bit better. But Vulture is great. Um, seeing his humanity, seeing his backstory is great. Um, this was my number two film. The twist in this film, the Shyamalan yeah. level oh. twist in this film, is just yeah. is amazing. Um, this John Watts perfectly balances the fun and the serious side of this. And it has those perfect kind of small time stakes where it's sort of that like Batman level feel of where he's just like taking care of his neighborhood yeah, and doing the right thing for what's happening down the street. We don't have demon monsters from different dimensions. We don't have aliens coming through portals. We don't have infinity stones. We just have like a kid trying to do the right thing. And I just love that he actually, like, looks and feels like a kid in high school. This actually feels like a high school movie. Cast a freaking teenager to play Peter Parker. It wasn't that hard. Revolutionary idea. (laughs) Don't cast a (laughs) 30-year-old. 
who thought it would be so hard. I just, yeah. yeah. I, I loved this film. I I loved it from the very first minute to the very last minute. I, I loved every single bit of it. This was, like I said, it was my number yeah. two. A, a complete delight. Spider-Man Homecoming with 44 points. One point ahead of it is the OG, the classic, the visionary, billionaire philanthropist, playboy, Iron Man at 45 points. Guys, this film... This is what kicked it all off. And I went when I went back and I rewatched this film, I found myself comparing every film I watched after it to this film. This is my number 3 film. I think it's perfect not just for being the first, but I think it's perfect in its own right. Like in it's standing on its own, not connecting to anything else. It's just great movie beginning to end. It's fun. It gives you this whole backstory. It gives you but it's never like boring, makes you drudge through anything. It's just it's amazing this film. 10 years ago has led to where we are What's today. crazy is that if you think about it, this film is in terms of the impact on our culture. Iron Man is our generation's Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like the original Star Wars, A New Hope. Um, and this movie is probably the most impactful and most important film in terms of pop culture, the entertainment industry, money <laughs> to come out in the last like yeah. 40 years. It has a pretty heavy social commentary on the military industrial complex uh-huh. as well. Yep. That's that's really interesting that that kind of shows that these movies can be about something serious. Mm-hmm. Um, it also made what was nerdy cool. And that's kind of what you're talking about, Jake, that before this, you know, comic books, I mean everyone's familiar with them, but especially these kind of more niche characters, not like the Batman or Superman movies or even Spider-Man. But Iron Man, the character that he was, making a movie about him that was this good, I think showed the general public that wasn't interested in these kind of things like, "Oh, that's good. Like that can be good. These can be good stories and good movies." And right. Props to Favreau, mm-hmm. um, props to Robert Downey Jr. Props to whoever made the final decision to cast Robert Downey Jr. Because that was He's incredible. the best decision. That was one of the greatest casting choices like in our lifetime. The way that he, at the, the very end, when he goes up to the podium and oh says, I am Iron Man. The way it's the exact opposite of every superhero film we had gotten to that point, too. Yeah. And that, of like everybody's hiding their mask and then it's just like that was the tony stark in your face i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm iron looking back that's like the moment when it's almost it's like the moment that signaled that the mcu was something that we'd never seen before like this is something different all right so setting up what's to come uh at number three and number two both those films have 47 points and our number one film is 51 so iron man is 45 So there's not a whole lot separating these films. What I ended up doing with the second and third film of why one was ranked higher than the other was I went to our lists and kind of did a culmination of between those films. Like, okay, so our number three film is a number one on somebody's list. And then I kind of like, okay, so where's the next highest on somebody else's list and as a tiebreaker. So our number three film with 47 points is Black Panther. Nice. The most recent film in the MCU. Nice. Trevor, what genre is this? This is a sci-fi medieval drama. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh>. Accurate. <laughs> we've we've got we've got the tech from the future, but we've got the the kind of hierarchy, monasticism, the the honor system of a medieval of a medieval drama. 
Um, which kind of says a lot about Wakanda, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Those two things melding together. This was my number one. I will admit recency bias to that. That may not hold up as my number one. But this is just an astounding film. Yeah. Right. Um, everything about it, the casting, the directing, the writing. This is the prettiest MCU film. The production design is just on a different level. It, I mean, it has a couple of few flaws here and there. Listen to our podcast about it from February. We really dig into it. But it's just it's just a great film. Just wonderful. Yeah, I totally agree with everything Trevor said. We just did a review on it. So like, if you want our in-depth perspective, definitely check that out. For me, I had it at number three. Uh, I had Iron Man at number four. I see those two kind of tied, interchangeable at three and four. Um, there's definitely some problems with Black Panther. But like, what it does for the MCU, for our culture as a whole, um, just the issues it brings up. It's totally different. It's gorgeous. It's awesome. It's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, Black Panther is fantastic. You know, we did a review on this, uh, which people can go back and listen to, like we said, if, they, if they're interested. And so from back in February of 2018. So how has this film, how has your opinion of this film changed since you saw it? Mine's the same. I loved it and I still love it. I'm excited for it to be released um, so I can watch it again uh, yeah. and just kind of give it that second analysis. But I mean, I, I'd say even I might even like it more than I did when I saw it after thinking about it and, and all of its different parts. It has, the, like I said, it has the best. Like we said, it has the best villain in the MCU, an incredibly compelling villain who's um, incredibly well acted by the incomparable Michael B. Jordan. Um, right. And is there's just a lot. There's a lot to it. Um, it, there's, a, there's a few tiny little plot holes I think you could pick out, but but I think the more I think about it, the more I like it. I need to I need to see it again before I give you my current thoughts. I think because I agree with Trevor. I mean, if anything, I, I I've only seen it at a higher light than our review. I, I think I had this the lowest. I had it at five, and it's not because it's because you're racist. Oh wow! Oh <laughs> no. no. So here's what I actually did: as I gave every film like a letter grade. And there's five films that I gave A pluses to. I gave A plus to this Spider Man, Iron Man, and our number one and number two films. They're all A pluses. I I think I'm almost the opposite of you. It takes a while for a Marvel film to like settle in for me. Like the longer it sits there, the better it gets. And so I almost feel like because this is the most recent, I haven't had as much time to to digest it or sit with those characters in future films that then make this more entertaining. Um, like I said earlier, I think it's the best cast in an MCU film, not including a team-up film. And obviously, we all love honorable mention Michael B. Jordan. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to watch this again um, because I like it. It just hasn't sat with me as long as other ones where I've had time to digest them and realize how they like sit in the rest of the universe. Um, I an- I anticipated aging well, but we'll see. Right. Oh yeah, I have no doubt that it'll age well. It's I really want Coogler to come back for a second film. I'm very nervous mm. about what happens if Coogler doesn't come back. Mm. Uh, they came out this week that they're working on you know details with him, and uh, Feige said that pretty much like, look, we want Coogler to come back, and we're willing to do whatever it takes uh, to get him back. They're gonna back up the truck, <laughs> definitely. Right, back up the truck, park it in his driveway. All right, moving on to our number two film uh, with 47 points as well uh, is. The Avengers, which is the culmination of the first 
phase of Marvel Cinematic Universe. I put this at seven on my list. It should have been higher. It was higher. I moved it around. I couldn't decide what to do with it. Um, it should definitely be higher. This is what made this whole thing possible. Like, this is the movie. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I kind of talked about this earlier. Iron Man was great. Iron Man 2, fine. You know, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, whatever. But this is where it was like, hey, this thing can actually work. Yeah. Like, we can make this happen. And now, this is the blueprint for a superhero yeah. movie. Like, this is how you make the movie. So much so that Justice League was crap, and they actually called the guy that made this to try to fix it. <laughs> um... <laughs> which he didn't do. I think it was unfixable. But anyway, this is just... It, it has a thin villain, the Chitari invasion, whatever. That's not really what's important. This is about the team coming together and then beating the crap out of some bad guys at the end in the coolest way possible. This movie is also and, incredibly uh, so tight. Like, there's nothing really that you can cut yeah. or add that I think would help the film. It's, like, perfectly paced, a great story, this culmination of characters it shouldn't work just like civil war i mean this this definitely should not have worked but uh it totally does and i mean like you said trevor this is what this was all building up to and what it all hinged on if this was a failure we wouldn't be here right now like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't right. have mattered and so um so jake this is your this is your number one film just like I have Black Panther and Iron Man kind of tied for three and four, I have Avengers and Winter Soldier tied for one and two. I had Winter Soldier at number one for a while, which we'll touch on here in a second because that film is perfect. Um, but the Avengers, <laughs> for me, in my opinion, like when we did the Pixar rankings, Toy Story has to be number one because it all hinges on that and it's fantastic. That's the same thing with this. It's just like this is literally what the entire cinematic universe was building up to and hinged on and the fact that it worked and not only did it work they had a grand slam out of the park with this movie and so for for me it's just it's perfect i know we've talked about this before but the the 360 shot of them standing on the street mm-hmm. in new york city that's the best shot of all time in cinema i don't know it's just it's amazing it's like it's a it's it's the perfect melding of comic books and what they're about and into a feature film and just those and you get like I get I've seen the movie I don't know five times and I get chills every time watching yeah. that because like yeah. that's just what this is in one it's shot. It's also perfect story structure. Yeah. Like they can teach this film in yeah. film school and just the way that it's plotted and paced um it, it's it's just so tight, so well done. And and amazingly pulls off a main character switcheroo completely seamlessly. Yeah. Yep. Um Ruffalo is is great as Banner. Um, and you really yeah. kind of, this is the beginning of his, I know Incredible Hulk was his movie, but this is the real beginning of the kind of the Banner story and arc. And the Rafala, that the we Raf- yeah. get, Rafala-sance. That's, that's right. <laughs> and, and we get like, what's so interesting, like we really dig into why the Hulk is interesting into this film. And I think that's a big part of what's going on mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's kind of a corny line, but it, it's, it works like, I think it was corny. It was good, and then it was corny, and now it's back to being good. That line of, like, you want to know my secret? I'm always angry. <laughs> yeah. And then he punches the giant dragon thing, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Uh, I say that all this, the time. This, I'm always angry. <laughs> I think this movie, more than any other movie in the MCU, shows the full potential of what this this universe can be. Um, it's a melding of so many characters that shouldn't work together but each serve a perfect purpose and understand their place. But yet 
none of them are an archetype and reserved to just that one thing. They're multi-layered, complicated people. And those, those scenes when they're in the helicarrier and all of these people who are used to being the alpha dog are all trying to get along and figure things out. And it's, it's just, it's just, it's interesting because no one's ever done anything like this before. And I think everyone plays it really well. It's structured really well. Well, everybody understands their role and their game for that role. Like nobody's trying to be more than they need to be. Everybody like people understand like when to push, when to pull, when to go high, when to go low. Like in the scene, like you understand like, okay, this is Tony Stark's scene to kind of put himself out there. Or this is Banner's scene or this is Cap's scene or this is a Cap Iron Man scene. You get those dynamics and then it also like for having four incredibly powerful superheroes in, you know, Iron Man, Cap, Thor and um, Hulk. Hulk, Hawkeye and Scarlet or and, uh, Scarlet Johansson playing Black Widow. I keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Um, I aren't necessarily too. like left to the side. Like they're definitely kind of given things to do and an understanding within this movie. Like they work within that. Within that well, also, movie. they like address the fact that like. Uh, this is a lot different than our spy days. Like, like their way, like right, there's yeah. character development for every single person in this film, which is a feat on its own. I mean, Joss, Joss Whedon directed the crap out of this movie. Um, and yeah, everybody gets their moment. The other, the thing with yeah. you, t- you kind of touched on this, Jake. I think one of the things that Joss Whedon understands more than everyone else is, is when to insert his comic relief and when yes. when it needs to pace that direction. Well, also, he understands and, that like well, film is about people. It's about human stories. And uh even though these are superheroes, right. everything that's happening in this film is pointing back to humanity and like what it's like to be a person in this world and like each character represents a different part of humanity um but i think that's what joss whedon does so well is like breathing life and breathing humanity into these characters and giving us these little moments of just glancing at who that character is and like i don't want to spur the marvel dc hate any more than we already have but that's why the dc universe utterly fails compared to the marvel universe yeah and then what this film is able to set up i think on a nerd level of like or to face them would be to court death and just that, like what they're able to do with a turn and a smile of a character that maybe 1% of the population knew who they were, who he was before that movie is amazing. Like it's, it's incredible that like this character who in comic book lore is the biggest, baddest, you know, villain in the MCU pops up and then makes everybody freak out because then everybody's asking like they're friend their nerd friend like hey who was that and then they're getting interested in that that was the cool part was you know it it creates that like conversation just by like who is that guy what does he do why is that significant i think i think the my i think my favorite my favorite maybe my favorite exchange in this movie is with our other villain loki is is the loki tony stark conversation <laughs> at the top of stark mm-hmm. tower I mean, it it's so the, the the line the if we can't protect the earth, you can make damn sure we'll avenge it. Is just yeah. that's like like I said, it kind of sums up the whole thing. It's like at that moment, you knew every like that was everyone was bought in. Like this is this yeah. is it. Like we're together, we're doing this thing. I mean, it's it's a perfect example of the character itself, but but as a big statement for the entire film, I think. 
Yeah, and then on the flip side of that, the interaction between Loki and Hulk <laughs> 10 minutes later. Um, all right, we are up to our number one film on our rankings with 51 points. You've guessed it, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Uh, the best film, in my opinion, in the MCU. It has the most implications as far as future films. It has the best action scene in any of these MCU films, the elevator <laughs> scene with Captain America. Oh. Um, and it has, you know, the heart of these films uh, and Chris Evans is Captain America at his best. Um, I will say it's the story that was the most shocking. Like, oh, I yeah. could not have guessed at all what would happen in this movie to where it's like one of the things about Marvel movies is that they're somewhat predictable. This film was like an out of left field, complete 180 twist on everything that had happened so far. Yeah, this is this is like a masterclass in like retconning. We don't we don't you know there's no mention of Hydra and anything else at all except we we think Hydra is done after the first the the first Cap movie, and then we get this and it completely blows everything out of the water. Um, also, along with that, we get that the very I think very timely and still timely political commentary on um, surveillance. Mm-hmm information and data and what we can glean from that and what we can do with it and what we can't and free will and kind of that minority report thing of are we destined to do things or can we make our own decisions are we just the sum of our actions and the things around us there's a lot of weight to this this is a and also it has robert redford in a freaking (laughs) comic book movie like, are you kidding wait, wait, me? Wait, and you're forgetting George St. Pierre. Yep. Right, yeah. And George St. Pierre, of course. But yeah, this is this was my number one until the last year. Um, like I said, I could acknowledge recency bias on Spider-Man and Black Panther. This movie holds up incredibly well. What the Russo brothers did with this after mostly <laughs> directing Arrested Development, Community, and Happy Endings until this point is Crazy. incredibly incredibly impressive. Ridiculous. Um, it just it just works. Every part of this movie works. It's so great. This is this is the best film in the MCU in terms of filmmaking, storytelling, action, character development, uh, the perfect sized stakes, like the pacing. Th- this is the best film in the MCU, um, in my opinion. I I give the edge to Avengers because, like I said, of like the implications and everything, but. I, I love Winter Soldier. I think it uh, stands so strongly on its own. Um, I think it's the most entertaining. It has the most twists and turns. It's fantastic. Just so, so, so well done. I love the the audacity and ridiculousness of the old-timey supercomputer with Zola's consciousness <laughs> in it. Totally works. It fits in so well. <laughs> To kind of the yeah. whole feel of the first Avenger with the technological advancements, and it, it just seamlessly fits in the whole thing. It's ridiculous on its own, but contextually, it fits perfectly. Um, and this uh, obviously, this is a this is a political conspiracy thriller, and it plays it perfectly. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, the dynamic that you get between Bucky and Cap. So one of the things I was like when I was I was blown away when I rewatched this film was like how little development actually goes on between those two. And they're really relying on what happened in the first Avenger for you to like care about their dynamic in this film. Like there's not much explaining or like build up to it. It's just kind of like, yeah, you understand their friends. 
And I think it's the weight that, like, we've talked about the sincerity of Chris Evans's performance, but I think, like, through that sincerity, you feel the weight of what he's having to deal with and seeing that, like, his friend is this assassin who's been working for Hydra. I said that, you know, previously it was the best action scene in the MCU, but there's also, like, outside of the elevator scene, there's the Samuel L. Jackson uh, car chase scene, Mm -hmm. there's the scene on the highway uh, action scene, and then there's the big... Uh, action scene at the end with the three helicarriers and uh, Falcon and you, you have like 20 different things going at once that are balanced. You have, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and Scarlett Johansson against uh, Robert Redford. Then you have Falcon and Cap trying to destroy the helicarrier carriers while Maria Hill is trying to like navigate them and then Winter Soldier. Like there's like 20 different things mm-hmm. going on that all feel perfectly balanced in each given their time and explanation. Anthony Mackie is great as Mm -hmm. Sam Wilson Falcon, um, who's that character is just like the perfect sidekick. He's like everything you want in a sidekick. So that is all for our popcorn optional rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Let's go through and give each of our lists really quick. Just run through. Um, 18 to 1 what our films were so Trevor let's start with you alright I'm not in love with my list I could you know change it every (laughs) 5 minutes probably Um, but starting at 18 um, Incredible Hulk Thor The Dark World Thor Ant-Man Iron Man 2 Thor Ragnarok Iron Man 3 Age of Ultron Captain America The First Avenger Doctor Strange Guardians Volume 2 The Avengers Civil War Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Black Panther at number one. All right, so at number 18, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World, Thor, Iron Man 3, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Captain America 1, Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy, Civil War, Iron Man and Black Panther uh, are interchangeable at three and four, and Avengers and the Winter Soldier are interchangeable at one and two. Uh, but I have Iron Man, Black Panther, Winter Soldier, Avengers. And starting at number 18, 18th Thor, The Dark World, uh, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, Iron Man 2, Avengers Age of Ultron, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. At number 10 is Thor Ragnarok. Nines, Iron Man 3, Captain America the First Avenger, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America Civil War, number 5 is Black Panther, number 4 is Spider-Man Homecoming, 3 is Iron Man, 2 is Avengers, my top film is Captain America Winter Soldier. Who would have thought now, that Captain America would have the best franchise out of all these characters? I know, I was kind of thinking oh, that. I, the Thor movies are all in my bottom five. I know. The Cap movies are all in like my top, top 8 or 10, especially the last two. Which were directed by the Russo brothers, who directed Infinity War. Um, okay, so interesting. Let's 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 let me give, give me your guesses. Um, if you were to guess which phase we rated the highest, each phase has had three movies come out so far. Between Phase One, Phase Two, and Phase Three, which one's the highest? It's got to be Phase Three. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Phase Three. Phase Three has. <laughs> I was a little bit premature on that. Uh, Phase 3 had 35 points average. Phase 2 had 26. And Phase 1 had 19 points average. So these phases have continuously gotten better. Yeah, on the whole, they're getting better. They are. Um, If you just even look at, like... I mean, Phase 3 is incredible when you go... It started with Civil War, then went to Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 
Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther. Those are the six films so far, which are all pretty incredible films for the MCU. Um, alrighty, let's, let's do something really quick. Do you guys have any pr- crazy predictions for Avengers Infinity War? So, I don't think this one's a crazy one. I think Captain America is going to die. I think everybody <laughs> thinks that for some reason. Um, I, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we see the Hulk die. Hmm. That's that's my big my it's big sort of, prediction. It's sort of been insinuated that he can't die, but not like confirmed that he can't die. I think that's going to be something that would make it all the more interesting. Yeah, I think that's going to be something that's used to show how strong Thanos really is. Okay. Right. Okay. Man, that would be sad. <laughs> okay, so my crazy prediction, and this is crazy, and if it happens and you don't even want to think about possible spoilers avoid like the next minute my thought would be what if because i was looking at the trailers what if the movie is just different variations of timelines like what if dr strange goes through one timeline realizes that doesn't work goes through another timeline realizes that doesn't work and then like the last one is like dr strange going to like a timeline and then thanos steals the time stone from him. And then we're stuck in whatever timeline that is. Hmm. So it's like, so it's like vantage point meets doctor who. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Which is incredibly nerdy. It would make sense for like the different like scenarios that you've seen. Like we have like a Wakanda section. There's a New York section. There's a section on a different planet with the guardian, like all these different pieces maybe are then like him going through different scenarios. Because like I said earlier, like once you've kind of set up like what he can do with that time stone, you've got to kind of abide by that. Huh. That would be crazy. <laughs> the, I think it would frustrate a lot of people. I was going to say, I think the, the, the biggest reason that wouldn't happen is that it's not very accessible. Right. I think it would be like almost like the if Lost had ended and it was all a dream. Yeah. The thing where it'd be like, <laughs> what was the point of that entire movie if it was just him imagining different scenarios? There's no stakes if it's infinite possibilities. I, I would, but I mean, then I, you would get to see all of your favorite superheroes die because then over it's like they and die over and I'll say, exactly. I will say that is definitely a crazy prediction. I think the less crazy version is Doctor Strange manipulates time at some point. <laughs> yes, I think that would be a fairly, fairly obvious so thing to my say. My kind of crazy prediction is, and Cam, maybe it's not going to be that crazy to you guys because you kind of sort of touched on this idea a little bit, but. We haven't really seen what the Scarlet Witch can do. Yeah. And I think she can do a lot. And we're <laughs> oh, kind yeah. of we're kind they they kind of, you know, try to keep her on the sidelines in Civil War. Um she's almost like a cheat code. Um so I think that, I mean, obviously we've we've pretty much established Infinity War does not have a happy ending. That's why there is a sequel coming out next summer. Um, this is I the think Deathly that, Hollows Part One of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Let's let's make right. that very clear. Ooh. So I think I was more looking at it as like the Breaking Dawn Part One. <laughs> I was thinking it was Mockingjay Part One, but you know, whatever, whatever. Good Still God. better than Breaking we Dawn. We have got we have got to stop splitting the final book into two movies and mediocre series. We've got to quit but it. Trevor Everyone money. quit it. Yeah. But Trevor Money. Yeah, right. Oh, mock- I think that we learned that after uh, 
Divergent series went Divergent, Insurgent, <laughs> Allegiant Part 1, and then that tanked, and then they're like, yeah, we're not going to do Part 2. Sorry, we'll just we're not finishing three. the four-part series. Did they really? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That makes me <laughs> so So they got happy. halfway through the third book, and then we're just like, that tanked. Yeah, Never mind. Dude, I tried, I tried to read that book. Couldn't even make it through the first like three chapters. I was like, teenagers are the stupid. The books are enjoyable, but they are like the teenager <laughs> young adults of young adults. <laughs> Youths. Okay, so my actual my actual prediction is that Scarlet Witch is the hero of Infinity War. Okay. I could see that happening. She's incredibly powerful. In as much in that there can be a hero, and maybe even the two-part saga, she's the hero of it. But I think that she's not going to be a second-tier character. No, not at all. But what's interesting is when... I think he, like what fascinates me most is looking at like what comes out between the two Avengers films. Like you have Avengers Infinity War and then you have Ant-Man and Wasp, which seems like a small, like after you've been through all this craziness, like let's get a small little It has to happen before Infinity War, right? Like the events of Ant-Man and the Wasp have to. I almost think it happens at the same time and that's why Ant-Man maybe, because you haven't seen him in the marketing at all for Infinity War. I'm curious if he's like barely in it. Yeah, I guess that could be. But then you also have Car- Captain Marvel with Brie Larson coming out next year before Infinity War Part Two. Right, that's set in the '90s. They've already said that. Yes. So yeah, but but I but mean, then she'll play a big role probably in Avengers. I was 4. gonna say, do we know if she's gonna be in Infinity War? Is that she is? Okay. Yeah, that's okay. why they set it in the '90s so it won't mess with anything. Okay. But then like she doesn't really like. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not. He- I haven't read a lot of Captain Marvel, but she doesn't age normally i don't think yeah there's some so alien like be brie larson she's got like a ancient alien power or something that was handed down to her um i don't know precisely but i think it's something along those lines Alrighty, well that is all we have for this week you know our content of the week is just to catch up on the marvel films before infinity war comes out oh wait friday april 27th i actually have a content yep. of the week recommendation based on Ooh, the marvel I'm sorry movies. okay so there ahead. are these two youtube video essays that i think are really interesting one is called marvel movies look kind of ugly and the other one is the marvel symphonic universe both of which delve deep into uh two of my biggest complaints about the mcu is um how mediocre the cinematography and the scores are and so I would highly recommend watching both of those. They're like 10 to 15 minutes, but they're really, really well done and very informative. So check those out. Well, like I said, we'll be back next week with our review of the 19th episode in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Avengers <laughs> Infinity War, which, guys, congratulations, will also be our 50th full episode. Wow. It's like we planned it. Episode like L. We, we didn't. Episode L. We didn't plan <laughs> Copy it. L. If you guys have enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, and go share us with your friends and family, especially leading up to Avengers Infinity War, where, you know, after that, people are going to want to have a dialogue and talk about this, and we're going to be here to do just that. If you want to know more about us, go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us more, you can find us on Twitter at Popcorn Optional or like us on Facebook at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Selena. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That's my Instagram and my website. Trevor? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TurboTrevor. Until next time, we hope you guys have a great week. Watch as many movies as possible. In the words of the great Michael Scott, we'll be back ASAP as possible. Bye. Later. No people skills, but he's good with motors. That weird thing by his side, an infantilized sequoia. The two of them walk by, people say, oh boy. They ask me why I'm bringing 
a baby into battle that's really irresponsible and getting them rattled. I said, give me a break. Get off of my back, damn it. I didn't learn parenting. My daddy was a planet. Start to hustle proud. Of hardship. Just remember.